You've tuned in to Get Connected. I'm your host, Mike Agarbo, joined today by Carmi Levy out of Toronto. And we have a great program for you. Later on, we'll uh, be talking about the bubble war. What do I mean? Uh, If you are an iPhone user and use text messaging or iMessage, you know that uh, if you're communicating with another Apple user, those little bubbles come in blue. If it's an Android user, it's green. Well, it looks like Apple is going to start supporting RCS, which is a universal rich text uh, standard that is used worldwide and by Android users. Will it mean the end of blue and green? Well, we'll find out. We'll also be talking with the folks over at Amazon and how to avoid getting scammed during the holiday season. This is uh, an important segment, and uh, no matter how techy you are, you'll want to stay tuned and uh, listen to some of those tips and tricks. And we'll uh, be talking about a really cool new app that uh, gets you a vet virtually. It's pretty cool. Carmi, let's uh, look at some of the uh, the tech stories we're following this week. Looks like Domino's got into a bit of uh, a bit of heat with uh, some sort of online pizza promotion. I guess you you would get a free pizza if you had bought a pizza, but it um, I guess they didn't lock it down well enough. Yeah, no, they didn't. They clearly didn't test this as much as they should. So it was the emergency pizza promotion, and basically what you did, you bought a qualifying pizza, and then in return, they gave you a code, a link, a URL that you could then use to either buy uh, another pizza, an emergency pizza outright, or you could reserve it for later on. So maybe you'd want a pizza a week or, or two in the future. You could actually book it online and then just pick it up when when it's ready. So, uh, we, and it worked really well. They launched it in early October and it was going really well for a few weeks and the advertisements were running across the US and Canada. And then some enterprising soul uh, discovered that some of the links that they're giving out can be reused. So apparently oh, no. they did. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, so... <laughs> <laughs> Testing apparently did not bear this out. And so before long, of course, couple that with social media. Next thing you know, these these few, relatively few links are being shared wildly everywhere. And before you know it, Domino's outlets across the land are surrounded by lineups of people. It was like an iPhone release lined up around the block and the stores had no choice but to honor them. <laughs> These images, the videos are hilarious of people walking out of a, a Domino's store with like stacks of pizza boxes in front of them, barely balanced. Uh, the company eventually reined it in, canceled the rogue links and apologized for it. But, you know, really, this is a case of you know, if you're going to roll, if you're going to use technology in a promotion uh, you've got to test for all the failures look for the weak underbelly the the areas where a hacker might find opportunity because obviously this wasn't tested as thoroughly as it should have and a lot of people got a lot of free pizza before Domino's was able to correct it but Carmi this wasn't even a hack they just didn't test the codes properly Exactly. But the thing is, if like if you're if you're a hacker or if you're just looking for a free pizza, you're it's like penetration testing. You're just going to poke around the edges, you know, sort of check the perimeter. So you're not actually hacking anything, but maybe you kind of are right. This is what opportunists do. Uh, and unfortunately, Domino's didn't spend enough uh, upstream, you know, in the in the in the early development phase. And it costs them afterward because I think we, we we live in an era now where we just have to assume there will always be people out there, even if they aren't super hackers, even if they aren't being funded by the Communist Party of China or Vladimir Putin himself, they still want a free pizza. And they're still going to try. <laughs> who does, who doesn't? Still, 
Exactly, and it, and it's it's like you know if 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 there's if it's going to happen with any technology, it should always involve pizza, which brings me joy. And so it, I, I thought I think first of all, it's 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 happy for everyone but Domino's. But I think this kind of sends a message to other industries uh, when you're using technology in a promotion like this that is exposed to millions of people. You really do have to plan for worst case scenario, and and if your testing budget isn't sufficient, it'll probably cost you orders of magnitude later on, even if you aren't making pizzas for people. Moving on to our uh, next story, it looks like uh, Elon Musk is just continuing to uh, build on his winning streak with X, formerly Twitter. It looks like, uh, Carmi, now he's put his foot in his mouth again. Um, I forget the exact quote there, but he essentially kind of came out uh, saying that uh, Jewish people, um, I, I guess, say that white people support hate speech. Yeah, and he's, uh, he, he's, he's liking these posts, and then he's commenting on them. And he said it was, he just said, this is super messed up, uh, which basically means he's agreeing with a, a white supremacist anti-Semitic talking point. This isn't the first time he's stepped in it. This isn't the first time that he has uh, both shared, reposted what we used to be called a retweet uh, content uh, that was deeply disturbing and frankly on any other platform should have been taken down by either algorithms uh, or uh, you know, a moderation team, which, of course, we know he no longer has. Um, but, you know, this is Elon Musk again being Elon Musk. And, uh, you know, I, I I guess he thinks because he is who he is, uh, he can just behave as he wishes because he owns the platform. That ultimately in the, well, is why he bought it. He he chafed against the rules of censorship under the previous ownership regime. Um, but currently in its current form, this is a platform that spreads misinformation that does nothing to rein in that spread of misinformation. And now you have the owner of this company uh, essentially fueling the fire, um, you know, by, by actively participating in uh, these acts of white supremacy and anti-Semitism. And it is uh, jarring, shocking. And if ever there was a reason for us to be appealing to our elected officials uh, to start reining in the worst behaviors of big social companies like X, formerly Twitter. This should be the siren call. This is sickening. Um, this is this is dog whistling to white supremacists. And as a Canadian, uh, and you know, uh, folks who know me, I'm a Jew, um, so this targets me and my community as well. It is deeply disturbing. Um, and so as a result, you know, IBM rightly pulling its ads does not want its brand appearing next to uh, that kind of content. Uh, and I'm guessing the exodus of advertisers who are concerned about their brand health on this platform will continue because of behaviors how, like this. How is he going to make money when he pisses off <laughs> every major advertising brand? I don't I, I, understand. I don't, I, I, I don't understand. You know, here's a, here's a guy who, before he bought Twitter, was you know known for some successes, obviously SpaceX and Tesla. Yet he seems to have found another gear at at X, where he doesn't seem to understand what it takes to build a viable social media brand. And he's essentially killing the goose that at one point was laying the golden egg, but I'm not quite sure what it's laying now. Uh, and it's 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 horrifying to watch. It would be amusing if all he were doing 
doing was destroying his brand value. But what he's also doing is he's stoking hatred. Um, and he's he's allowed X to become a very efficient platform for spreading that kind of hatred and the lies that fuel that kind of hatred. So, um, you know, this it's it's no longer funny, um, and it's starting to have that effect. It's 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 starting to you know members of visible and invisible minorities, my minority, were afraid to talk publicly because of events like this. And at some point, it's got to stop. Let's move on to our next story. Tesla is finally. Finally, I guess, rolling out the Cybertruck years in the making. It was announced before the pandemic. It's taken this long, uh, several years now, to actually get it uh, into production and onto streets. But Tesla is now coming out and saying, you are not allowed to flip that truck when you get it. I know a lot of people pre-ordered uh, this uh, particular electric truck and as you know you know if you can make some money on because it's going to be in high demand uh, a lot of people are going to basically get it and flip it make a few bucks but uh, tesla's saying no you can't do that yeah we've seen this before ford for example when they introduced the uh the 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 homage to the original gt40 the gt sports car um they also had a no sale clause within a certain period after you bought it Uh, the f-150 lightning also had a no sale clause in it um and the company would prosecute you if you did so within that period uh tesla uh some very eagle-eyed observers noticed that the motor vehicle order agreement which is on the tesla website included similar content similar messaging on that that basically if you tried to resell your Cybertruck within the first year of ownership that they would uh reserve the right to uh, prosecute you uh, up to and they were saying fifty thousand dollars in damages if not more so uh and then interestingly it disappeared so depending on who you're talking to and where you're logging into the tesla website from it's appearing for some not appearing for others but it illustrates the very difficult position the company finds itself in it's got this vehicle that is radically different getting a lot of buzz has been for a very long time but it's also incredibly late for delivery and even as it starts being delivered later this month uh, they're not going to be able to mass produce them any in anywhere near the numbers that elon musk had promised they were originally hoping for 250,000 in the first year now that they're saying barely 125,000, and I, I i wouldn't be betting any money on that either and so you know it's it, it's almost like the the ground is being set for it's a perfect storm for speculation, for flipping. And if that happens, that adds even more tarnish to the Tesla brand, more tarnish to a launch that, quite frankly, has been a botch from day one. So I can understand why they would put it in. Uh, I, I, I don't really understand the flip-flop. I guess they got some people upset. But at the same time, maybe they should spend more time on actually delivering the vehicles that they've promised rather than playing with their website about content like this and hiring lawyers to go after legitimate buyers who simply want their trucks and want to drive them. This is not how you treat customers. We still have a lot to talk about today on uh, Get Connected. So we'll uh, be chatting about Apple supporting the new, not the new, I guess the uh, the standard out there for texting. It's called RCS. Android users and uh, most other uh, providers around the world use it, but uh, Apple has uh, stuck to their iMessage. And, you know, we've got the blue and green bubbles uh, if you're an iPhone user. Will that mean the end of that, or will something else happen? And uh, we'll be getting some tips and tricks on uh, how to stay away from cybercrime when you're doing online shopping this holiday season. Up next, a virtual vet through an app. Stay tuned. You are back with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here in studio. We're going to talk about health now. Uh, And when it comes to health, not only do you have to be 
concerned about uh, your own health and your loved ones, but also your furry ones. Uh, We've got a great guest with us today to talk about a really cool app that makes it easier to get the advice that you need to keep uh, your furry uh, loved ones uh, healthy. We've got uh, Justin McLash from Telus Health. Thanks for joining us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Uh, this is uh, very interesting to me. I think uh, you know many people, especially through the pandemic, are familiar with uh, telehealth, uh, being able to book doctor appointments uh, through video calls. Uh, you have an app that allows you to do that uh, for your pets as well. Explain to our listeners how this works. Yeah. Um, so as many know, Telus has been in the virtual care space for years. It has uh, quite a lot of learnings and experience there. And so really, uh, we're leveraging that experience in our new Telus Health My Pet app. Um, the app itself has a suite of services, um, and uh, we're very excited to offer both a virtual well-being service, which allows access to our, our registered veterinary technologists across Canada, and we have a veterinary service as well, um, which is accessing veterinary uh, veterinarians in Canada within BC and Ontario. So we have a suite of services, um, but the well-being is the one that is across Canada, except for Quebec at this time. And so what what, what people um, get with the well-being uh, aspect of the, the app? What can they learn? Yeah, so the well-being service connects people. So as soon as you download the app, um, which is free to download on your smartphone, um, you've got access to conversations with our registered veterinary technologists. So these are licensed technologists in Canada. Um, the service is nationwide, as I mentioned, uh, except for Quebec at this time. And it, it basically gives Canadians access to really critical information, um, preventive care tips, um, and general advice on a wide range of topics, uh, nutrition, dental behavior, life stage questions, accessing answers and credible and trustworthy answers, which is the big challenge for Canadians. Um, it's interesting. We're finding now that actually 20% of, of Canadians don't have a primary care vet out there. Um, and a lot of time you just have questions, general questions about the pets uh, that they have. And so our well-being service is is really there as 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 that credible source, uh, as a go-to for Canadians that are just in need of, uh, of, of answers. I, I kind of like that because um, I, I have, believe it or not, three little dogs in my home. They're, uh, a, lot, <laughs> they're a lot, but... It's uh, always difficult, I, I find, trying to find the right information. Of course, uh, you know, I always use Google, but you don't really know what information is kind of real or, or not. So it's uh, it's nice to get it from a credible sor- source. Well, that's that's exactly the point, right? When when you're Googling or you're searching online, you really don't know what you're getting. You don't know, uh, is it out to date? You don't know if it's reliable. And sometimes it's actually just false and harmful. And so, you know, in response to that, how can we create an environment, not just credible and trusted, but um, uh, an environment for pet owners to to go to and get resources from actual registered veterinary technicians in Canada? You know, these individuals have years of experience, um, a wealth of knowledge to share, and it allows them basically to leverage that experience that they have over years of practice um, to to out to Canadians, especially to Canadians that are really struggling right now to get that access. They, they just, they have, they need that help. Um, why, why go to Google or to potential unreliable resources when you've got a service and you can speak directly to one of our technicians? Let's talk about the, the, the veter- veterinary, veterinarian service now. And again, this is uh, from my understanding, just available in, in BC, in Ontario. So I can be connected with a, a real life veterinarian if I have some, uh, some medical issues with my my furry ones, right? Exactly, and and that's just it. In BC, Ontario, you can speak to a veterinarian. So you download the app, 
create your profile register and pick really the time and date that works for you. And you can access veterinary care with a licensed veterinarian in your province in British Columbia, Ontario, that can diagnose, treat, and prescribe when necessary for for appropriate types of healthcare issues. And we're finding um, some amazing results, actually. Uh, research shows now that about 80% of the consults that uh, telemedicine cover um, actually provides um, complete resolution. So it's not it, it's not a an untested technology. It's not something that uh, is anyway, shape or form experimental, it's proven and research shows. And really it's just about getting uh, pet owners um, comfortable um, and uh, and accessing and, and teaching them how to access uh, this technology. So it is there in British Columbia and Ontario, ready to use. Um, and uh, yeah, it's a it's a simple download of the Tell Health My Guide app. And does this go 24 hours? Is there Are there hours involved? Yeah, good question. Um, so it's not 24 hours at this point. Um, but there's daytime, evening, and weekend hours that are always available. So because convenience is key, right? We've got so many individuals, so many pet owners that are, are working and struggle to get in. Or in fact, what we're seeing now across Canada, because of the overwhelming demand for veterinary services, some practices are actually even having to shrink hours. And so there's reduced capacity, reduced availability for pet owners. And, and this is a, a real dire situation that we have in the industry as is. And, and there's a lot of potential, you know, remedies for the situation, but the one that is, that is glaring us in the face is leveraging technology. It's there. It, it, it doesn't require expansion of, of, you know, uh, veterinary colleges and graduating more veterinarians or trying to ask more from the, the, the hardworking brick and mortar veterinary teams, uh, that are at capacity every day. The technology is there. It's just a matter of using it. And, um, and really, we're complementary to what your primary care vet is actually doing. Telemedicine is not a replacement to the important work that they're doing on a daily, on a daily basis. It's supplementary in nature. And we work hand in hand and we make sure that those medical records are sent right back to them on a timely matter so that you get continuity of care for your pet. Um, really, it's just about increasing accessibility and, and doing it in terms of, of time that works for, for pet owners. You know, you should see in, on these consultations, you know, seeing them in their home environment, um, you actually get a lot of information that you wouldn't necessarily get. Yeah, you're right. When I bring my my dog to a veterinary clinic, it's sometimes a bit of a crazy time. <laughs> I mean, they're kind of out of their element. Yeah. Um, exactly. Hello. <laughs> we're talking with Justin McLash. Uh, he is uh, with TELUS Health. They have the My Pet app. This is a free download uh, for Android and iPhone users and uh, a great supplement to... Uh, giving care to your furry uh, furry little loved ones. And uh, you want to stay tuned later in the uh, show. We've got some uh, really cool details about a, a contest uh, that we're partnering with uh, the My Pet uh, folks. Justin, I want to thank you for joining us today. When we come back from the break, more tech to talk. Stay tuned. You are back with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here in studio. Well, the holiday season is coming up. We've got uh, Black Friday and, of course, uh, coming up with uh, Christmas. And there is a lot of shopping happening, especially online. But nearly half of Canadians, about 49%, have reported being targeted by a fraud scheme. Well, to help us uh, navigate uh, some of these uh, potential fraud, these online scams, we've got a great guest with us today. His name's Scott Knapp. He's the Director of Worldwide Buyer Risk Prevention at Amazon. Thanks for joining us, Scott. Hey, thanks so much for having me, Mike. I thought I'd get you on Amazon. You guys sell a few things. <laughs> Just a couple. Just, Just a, a couple. couple. Um, but, you know, as such, you know, you're one of the 
bigger, if not the biggest uh, e-commerce uh, sites out there. God, I use you like, I don't even know how many times uh, a week. Uh, as, as you can imagine, uh, I, th- I think a lot of fraudsters probably target uh, Amazon in, in many ways. Uh, what are some tips you could give our listeners for safe shopping during the, the season here? Sure. Uh, I think the first tip I give is uh, go with what you know. Uh, you are always safe shopping on our trusted amazon.com website, VR app, or even on one of our physical stores. It's like going with something you know is certainly a better play. Um, the next tip I would give is be super careful when somebody's trying to convince you to pay for something over the phone or via email. Uh, we would never uh, do that uh, with a customer. And then the next piece is around gift cards. It's a lot of times this time of year, people look to use gift cards that they have to buy other presents, which is awesome. However, you gotta be really careful when you somebody's trying to make you use a gift card. Legitimate transactions should never require you to use a gift card to buy something. Um, and so those are my biggest tips. Uh, there's a general one around, if you're not sure, just pause. To step back, if somebody's offering you something you weren't expecting or asking you about something you weren't expecting, uh, step back uh, and then check, check with us. You can look on uh, the message center and on .com or, or via the app um, or reach out to us uh, directly via customer support and see if we are trying to get in touch with you. I, I can't tell you how many of these emails I, I get on a daily basis, uh, you know, not not only from Amazon, but all sorts of different uh, e-tailers out there trying to get my, you know, information. They want me to log in uh, via this, this link. And I always tell people, and I think you're echoing this, uh, be wary, like just don't click on these links and start putting in your username and, and password because typically, you know, most big brands and e-tailers aren't going to ask for you to do that. That's exactly right. And it's, and like you mentioned, it's pretty broad. I was just telling somebody, I got one of these from somebody pretending to be my electric utility. Um, and so it's, you know, I clearly, I, I know to be a little bit suspicious with this job, but it's, it looks really great. And it's like, wow, uh, they're trying to take care of me, keep the lights on, but you're exactly right. They're asking you, to do stuff the utility wouldn't ask you to do. So uh, stepping back and being cautious is a, is a good approach. Let's uh, talk about counterfeits. How is Amazon uh, working to protect uh, customers against counterfeits? And explain what counterfeits are for the listeners. Uh, sure. Um, uh, so counterfeit, uh, a fake product. Um, you know, imagine a large brand that you might know and love, and then somebody will try to create a knockoff and pass it off as the real thing. That's generally what we're talking about with counterfeits um, at, a, at a reduced price. And Amazon is really clear on this, that we have zero tolerance for fraud or counterfeit in our stores and work really hard to protect customers and brands from it. And when we find something that might be counterfeit, we immediately take the product down off the website and then go hold bad actors accountable for trying to sell it. And if a customer happens to get something that we later identify was counterfeit or fake, we, they don't have to do anything. We'll reach out, notify them what, what they've got is not real and refund their money all proactively. 
and then we'll work with others. We have taken up a lot of work across the industry with other large retailer partners, with brands, with law enforcement to hold bad actors accountable who are trying to deal and counterfeits. I guess the the old adage, uh, if it sounds too good to be true, it's probably not true. I I know so many people, uh, friends, uh, that have gone on some of these uh, other e-commerce sites uh, over in Asia, and they found these like fantastic deals on different tech products. The my most favorite is uh, you know the little uh, digital memory cards, SD cards. Uh, you know they'll find yes. one, like one terabyte cards for twenty five percent of the price or half price, and I'm like. No, no, like that, that's not a real SanDisk uh, memory card. There's no way that they're going to, you know, have that low of a price. And lo and behold, they get the card and it doesn't work like it's supposed to. And they're out the money. Like they're, they're not going to get their money back. They got scammed. So uh, counterfeiting is, is a huge problem. And, you know, when you look at some of these big e-commerce sites, you know, such as yours, you're not just Amazon, you've, you're like a marketplace of all sorts of different sellers. It, there's a bit of comfort knowing that you guys are actually going after the, these guys that are putting these uh, illegitimate products up there. Yeah, thanks for that. Yeah, it's, it's crucial. Like the whole, we believe, you know, our trust, you know, the trust that customers have in us is hard, hard earned, and we want to retain that. And so we, we work very hard to uh, to keep all the fraud out of the store. Okay, so another thing that's coming up more and more now, you're seeing news stories about this all the time with different e-commerce sites, are the reviews. I know when I'm shopping online, reviews are a big deal to me, you know, because typically there are a number of different versions of uh, the product I'm looking at from different sellers, uh, and I look at the reviews to see what people are saying about the product they purchase. But there have been a lot of fake reviews on, uh, you know, e-commerce sites out there. I mean, this must be difficult because I can imagine you are making millions of transactions. How do you keep on top of fake reviews? Yeah, it's it's hard. It's because, like you say, it's a really crucial part of the shopping experience. <clears throat> I mean, I just just bought a brand new vacuum based on reviews uh, off of Amazon. And the way we approach it, I mean, we have really clear policies that show we don't have any patience for review manipulation or fake reviews. And we have, we work hard, have a lot of very bright scientists who design some sophisticated algorithms to try and discover these before they ever make it to the site and backed up with human investigation. We suppress them before it ever shows up in front of a customer. And then we actually engage the customer directly that if you go on the site and read a review and you're, you think it might be fake, you'll see right below the review, there's a button, a report button that you can tell us that this review might be fake. Uh, and then we'll immediately, we'll look into it and take action, hold, you know, taking down any bad reviews that are necessary to take down and then go after the people that might've put it up there in the first place. You also have verified um, buyers that review as well. And, and, and I believe you actually indicate that they're a verified buyer, correct? That's true. Yeah, there's verified. Exactly. And then there are, there's also indication if somebody has uh, received like a free product for a review. So you can, you, the idea is that as a, a customer, you kind of, you have an idea of where this person leaving the review, of where they're coming from. Okay, so if you are shopping online at uh, Amazon and you suspect that there's, um, you know, 
counterfeits or fake reviews? Uh, what what action can you take? Uh, tell us. That's I mean, straight away tell us uh, whether it's on our site or off our site. If if you think somebody's trying to scam you, or you can report it to us at Amazon.com slash report a scam. You let us know what's going on, what you've seen or experienced, and we'll investigate it and then go take action as appropriate. Uh, so far this year, we've taken down over 45,000 phishing websites, Pew. taken down over 15,000 phone numbers. Uh, so these are now things bad actors don't have available to uh, try and take advantage of consumers. We've been talking with Scott Knapp. He's the director of Worldwide Buyer Risk Prevention at Amazon, giving us some tips for this holiday season on how not to get scammed. I want to thank you for joining us, Scott. Thanks so much for having me, Mike. Don't forget the contest that we got going on. We're uh, winding up the uh, iPhone 15 giveaway. You'll want to go to our website, getconnectedmedia.com, to check that out. Secret word this week for that particular contest is Amazon. You go uh, enter that in, and you'll get some extra ballots uh, into uh, the giveaway. We're also uh, launching our new uh, TELUS Health My Pet contest, and uh, we've got a great prize. If you want to see what that is, uh, again, hit the website, getconnectedmedia.com, to check it out. When we come back from the break, more tech to talk. Stay tuned. You are back with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here with Carmi Levy. We're going to talk about Apple and green bubbles and blue bubbles, uh, depending what kind of phone you have. If you're an iPhone user and you're messaging other iPhone users, you're always going to have uh, in your text messages uh, the little blue bubbles. That means that you're connected with someone in the Apple universe. The moment someone from outside the Apple universe starts messaging you on one of the Android phones out there, which are pretty well the most popular phone in the world right now, you get a green bubble. (laughs) And if you're an iPhone user, I am. I I don't know. I don't love the green bubbles. They just don't, it just doesn't work as well with the the messaging Mm -hmm. system, if if you know what I mean. And it looks now that Google and, and Samsung and all the Android folks, they've been lobbying different governments and organizations, the European Union, to force Apple to accept the universal texting standard that's called RCS. And so it it sounds like Apple is going to potentially be doing that in 2024. What does that mean, Carmi? Is there going to be peace and harmony and blue bubbles for everyone? <laughs> oh, I wish that were the case, but no. Apple's got a really good thing going with iMessage. It, it is what we like to call a walled garden. They they get to make the rules, and they get to have all these services that only work within iMessage, and you know you have access to to you know certain kinds of emojis and memojis and 3D images and stickers and and frames and all kinds of things that don't exist outside of iMessage. And if you happen to be one of those people who has an Android phone and you try connecting into that ecosystem, well, you're identified with the dreaded green bubble. It's the ultimate in anti-branding, and Apple isn't going to give that up so quickly if at all so the way they're positioning and they're not saying exactly how it will work they're simply saying they will support rich communication services starting next year they'll roll an update uh, and you'll be able to use rcs alongside imessage Uh, what they're not saying is 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 exactly what that will look like and how that will integrate with imessage so my my money is on uh, green bubbles not disappearing my money is on android users still being um, treated to a certain extent like second-class citizens but apple will throw them 
a few bones here and there so that maybe the experience won't be quite as stripped down when Android messengers try to connect with Apple messengers and they won't look quite as sort of years behind as they currently do because they're using a much older standard. So it's an improvement, but does it mean that, you know, the 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 you know, the the the, uh, the Windows versus Mac war is over, so to speak. You know, the modern version of it, not even close. Uh, Apple makes a lot of money off of its 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 proprietary technology, and it's not about to open that up to anyone anytime soon. It's almost like a little club, you know. It, when you're on the like in my family, there's five of us, and four of us are using iPhones, and then my um, black sheep son. Uh, is I'm totally joking, Android folks. Uh, he's using a, a Google Pixel phone, which he loves. It's a beautiful phone, but he he can't be easily included in group messages, and and yeah, we, we when we when we have to communicate with him, we're using like Facebook Messenger or or other types of messaging apps. So uh, it it's it's kind of interesting. It reminds me of uh, BlackBerry back in the day. They had their BlackBerry messaging service, BBM. And that was like a little messaging club. Like, you know, the BlackBerry users would mm-hmm. would die to keep that, you know, to themselves. Yeah, and, and that's why it's like our kids were just coming of age when BBM was the thing. And, and for, for our family, that was our first common messaging platform. And that's, at one point, we all had Blackberries. And we would continue to have Blackberries as long as we all used BBM. And then, of course, eventually we, we migrated off. And that's one of the reasons why today most of the members of my family are also using iPhones for exactly that same reason. Because it is, it's a much more fluid messaging experience for everyone to be using the same tool, even though we know it is proprietary. It is is not open standard. Uh, my kids don't care about that. They just want to make sure that they can communicate with their brother and their sister um, without having to use a different app, without having to, you know, have the messages look weird because they got stripped out, uh, that they lost detail, that they can't share high res images and video because the old messaging standard doesn't support it. So, you know, I, I have to, as much as I rail against proprietary technologies, I have to give Apple credit because they've done a really good job using iMessage as as almost like the glue to convince people, well, if you, you know, as a service, it's a lot easier among your peer group, among your family members, among your classmates, among your coworkers. Uh, it's just a lot easier. There's less friction to, uh, to stick within the iMessage environment. Uh, and if you're outside of it, well, there's going to be a cost to that. And so, you know, of course, but from a, an industry competitiveness monopoly perspective, uh, the EU has not been very happy with Apple they, they, you know, because it, it ignores more open standards like RCS, uh, it locks out competing technologies, uh, and it gives Apple competitive advantage. And so, at what point are you know are you know Apple has every right to sustain its business and grow its profits, but at the same time, uh, we as consumers have a right to services that are competitive with each other and that interoperate well with each other. I think it's a safe argument to say that Apple's strategy does not support interoperability between devices from different manufacturers. This move will help to a certain extent, uh, but Apple's got a really good thing going and it's not going to give it up without a fight. Why do you think that they went down this road of supporting the standard now? Do you think uh, the over in the EU, uh, they were getting a bit of heat there that they thought they would probably lose down the road? 
I think that's ultimately what it comes down to is Apple has really been resistant to any change for years. So, you know, Google and Samsung have been taking out ads trying to convince Apple to change its tune. The EU has been telegraphing its message, basically saying they see this as anti-competitive behavior. This is how monopolies behave. Uh, they've been threatening to investigate. And so I think Apple is throwing everyone a bone, recognizing that the EU is getting more serious about this kind of behavior um, and that, you know, it, it, it works in the market's best interest for standards to be more open and not closed, that walled gardens do not work in consumers' best interest. Uh, and so I think Apple saw the writing on the wall. I think they, they realized that the EU is going to become more belligerent over time. And rather than continue to fight it tooth and nail, they've decided to not necessarily admit defeat. This is not, you know, we're going to dump iMessage and everything is RCS from now on. It's we will allow it to coexist with iMessage on our devices. And they're not saying how. So it's it's a partial victory for those who wanted a more open standard across all devices, who wanted a, a more level playing field for Android users when they communicate with Apple devices. But at the same time, it doesn't go as far as it probably could. And I think Apple, it's its almost like the opening move in a chess game. Apple is starting minimally, uh, being very conservative, uh, and it'll see how it goes. Uh, and if the, depending on how the EU responds, Apple might either stay the course and just introduce some basic uh, parallel use, uh, or they may have to go a little bit further and actually engineer a little bit more interoperability into iMessage as a version two or version three later on. I wonder if they could charge like Android users a subscription to to be in the iMessage world. Uh, that may be an alter that may be an opportunity. Uh, right again, if Apple has created a technology that delivers value across an ecosystem, uh, like any company, they do have a right to consider you know how they might monetize that. And so, uh, if if there's a subscription fee that again allows them to drive their services business even further than they have in recent years, uh, that could be an option. And I certainly I, I would imagine it's one of the things that's being discussed at Apple headquarters right about now. We're talking all about Apple uh, and the, the blue versus green bubble war out there. If you're an iPhone user, you're very familiar uh, with uh, this. Uh, the Android folks, uh, the different manufacturers for years have been uh, complaining that, uh, you know, Apple won't kind of open up their, their standard uh, for iMessage or, you know, accept the RCS, uh, RCS standard uh, that is used, you know, globally by every other phone man manufacturer. So it'll be interesting to uh, see uh, how that all goes. You know, on another note, talking about Apple, uh, I got a chance to uh, try out the new iMac, the M3. Oh, how do you like it? Big difference from the original M1? Uh, yeah, well, yeah, it, it's faster. Um, you know, I, I actually have a, an older um, Intel iMac as well. It's dramatically mm -hmm. faster than that one, yeah. like hands down. But it's just, I'm just blown away the engineering. It's just beautiful. I got, uh, I think it's the blue one. And I can't believe how thin it is. Like, I can't believe they have a computer <laughs> in, in that screen. Do you know what? They've, man they've managed to really minimize the hardware. It's almost like the architecture was a laptop and they just adapted it to the large it's, screen form it, factor. But they've, it's from an engineer, I agree, from an engineer, I've always admired the iMac because it really does represent the, the absolute pinnacle of desktop computer all in one design. But yeah. uh, certainly the new models, uh, I, I've got to give credit where credit is due. They've done a wonderful job with it. If I didn't need a laptop because I need that mobility, that would probably be my device of choice. And at some point, it may very well be as a secondary machine because uh, I don't think there's a better all-in-one for your money on the market right now. 
I'm struggling now because I like to keep my uh, feet in both worlds, you know, the Windows and the Mac, because mm-hmm. that's, you know, a tech guy. Uh, so in yeah. my kitchen, I, I've got a Windows machine, but now I, I just want to, I want to move that away. <laughs> Put the iMac in there, but that that takes away my Windows world uh, as well. But anyway, we'll we'll see how that battle goes. Carmi, I want to thank you for joining us again on the program. So great being here with you, Mike. I appreciate being here. Don't forget to enter our new contest, the Tell Us My Pet app contest. A great uh, app for uh, getting care for your loved furry little ones. We are giving away a really cool prize. You'll have to hit the website to check it out, getconnectedmedia.com. And there's a secret word for this new contest. And in our uh, pet theme, it's Collie. Want to thank all the folks that helped put the program together. We'll see you again next time.